0: Might be two days in a row with no baseball. Feels like I've been saying those words way too often this season already. But we'll get into uh, the team that has no coaching staff. We'll preview the Twins. And we'll talk a little bit of draft as I've been getting more and more questions about that. All on today's episode of Locked On Guardians. You are Locked On Guardians podcast on the cleveland guardians part of the locked on podcast network your team every day so uh the entire coaching staff is pretty much out uh it's very crazy to look at this list and be like. Carl Willis, just not hang out with all the other coaches in Cleveland. Uh, before I get into that, though, I am Jeff Ellis, who was a Lockdown Guardians Before this. I was a lead draft and prospect analyst for Scout and 24/7. Before that, I appeared on pretty much every single Cleveland sports blog you've probably ever read, uh, specifically often about the draft, the baseball draft, I should say. Uh, and I want to thank you for making Lockdown Guardians your first listen today and every day. wherever it is, you get podcasts. So, yeah, you look at this list, and I guess let's just read it off, because it is kind of, the following members of the Major League Coaching staff are in the MLB Health and Safety Protocols, Manager Terry Froncota, Bench Coach DeMarlo Hall-Hale, Hitting Coach Chris Valleca, Assistant Pitching Coach Joe Torres, First Base Coach Sandy Almar, Third Base Coach Mike Sauerball, and Major League Hitting Analyst Justin Toole. Carl Willis will serve as Acting Manager. It's because he's the only dude left. Uh, it was down to him and Slider, from what I understand. And it was a very close contest, but they went with Carl Willis over Slider. Uh, just because they thought that uh, Carl Willis had a, a slightly slightly better handle on uh, advanced thought in today's game. But only, like I said, just a little bit. Uh, yeah, this is, like it. it feels like... Man, like, is Carl Willis getting iced out? What's going on here? Like, literally everyone else was clearly not taking the correct precautions. Someone brought it in, and everybody with Carl Willis uh, is out. He is apparently the only one who doesn't go to some parties uh, with them. It's, it is crazy to look at and consider uh, just that many people. You see now why the game was canceled. But, I mean, the other side of it is no players. It was only the coaching staff. Uh, there is still one player on the COVID list. I don't know what's going on with Yu Chang. I mean, he has been on that list for nearly a month, for, I believe, a month now. I don't know how they're using it as a slush, a stash list. I don't know what slush list is, but <laughs> a slush list could be delicious, um, depending on the type of slush you're having. But in terms of a stash, I mean, they, they don't know what to do with Yu Chang. Just go release him. Like we know that's probably coming I think they've liked having the flexibility of having that 40 man spot that's not really a 40 man spot that they can, you know, bring up Kurt McCarty and they can, you know, bring Tanner Tully or Eniel de los Santos. They get to kind of do a free juggle because they have no flexibility otherwise (laughs) uh, on the 40 man. But it's, it's a little bit ridiculous. At some point, someone is going to have to call them out on it. I know he's doing his rehab assignments in AAA and he's getting to build up strength. I don't know what they do when he's ready. Remember, he doesn't have any options left, so it's either he is on the roster or he is not, and he is off the team. So, yeah, I'll be curious to see how that plays out. There are people, I mean, Hiram, we know, loves Yu Chen Chang, and if Yu gets let go, there will be protests in the streets. I, I was a big fan. Like, I had Chang as high as the third-rated prospect in the system at points in time. I believe that was, I mean, that was back when it was a little bit, that was back when it was the dark ages of the system. Uh, there was a dark period. Uh, even, you know, we talked about all the success they've had, but even after, like, that great 2011 draft, which is one of the five best in franchise history, they still had a lot of ugly drafts. I mean, the next year, that 2012 draft, I mean, Naquin has turned into the third-best outfielder in the last 25 years that they've drafted and developed, but the the rest of that class, you were lucky if they even sniffed high A. I mean, it was it was ugly. It was bad. But that time was like, that's when I discovered Yandi Diaz, and I think I had him fourth was when I had Chang like third in the system. Uh, Clevenger, before he was a known name, I put him fifth, and that was Chang. Uh, Chang. Well, no, with Chang, and um, definitely with Yandi and Clevenger, I was extremely aggressive in the ranks, but I was just, it, all three looked like future major leaguers to me in some form or another. I was proven right. Sometimes you get them right. Talked about on the show, some guys like Naylor. Sometimes you get it wrong. Uh, I did not expect him. And, you know, and people bring up like he's so young. Why didn't you believe in him a little bit more? The thing with Naylor is like there was never outstanding production in the minors. He put up very Jake Bowers like numbers at similar ages, at similar levels, with similar profile. Uh, they were not like go compare the minor league numbers. They're not dissimilar. So uh, you know, I'm just looking at the raw data and. Uh, Maybe I overcorrected, but uh, we, will, we will see. Let's put it that way. Um, again, he's going to come back to earth. We talked about the players. You know, all of these fantastic early-season young guys are all playing over their head, and Pip shows that. And there's going to be a regression, but I think all of them. I'm not saying like they're not talented. I'm not saying that they are not major league players. I'm just saying they're probably going to come down from being some of the most productive players in baseball to closer to league average. But yeah, this this the situation is interesting again that it's only the coaching staff. It's like, what is the coach? I get it, coaching staff probably spends a lot of time with each other, you know, they're close company and you know, not taking precautions, and this is what happens. This is a team with no coaching staff for this Minnesota series. Uh, hopefully everyone gets to it fine and healthy. You know, it is an older coaching staff. It is, I mean, this is a manager who has serious health issues. This is a manager who hasn't made it through the last... Three seasons is it just two, or is it three? I think it maybe it's just two, but has not made it through the last two seasons due to health issues, uh, and has missed time over three seasons because of health issues. So, I mean, Terry Francona is one of the most at risk people in just baseball. So, hopefully, everything is uh, is set up for him to be. I-, I hope he's fine more than anything else with this story. That is my big concern. So, I just hope everyone's healthy and fine and no one develops. Um, you know, a myocarditis, which we have seen with some, I mean, Eduardo Rodriguez of the Tigers uh, is an example of someone who developed that. And, you know, the, we'll, we'll talk about the Tigers when the Guardians face them. Obviously, that is a team that has been struggling. And I gave them a lot of credit for signing Rodriguez to a great deal before the starting pitching market fell apart. And he's been good. I don't know if he's been exactly what they kind of hoped for in terms of production. He's been solid, but not spectacular for them. He's looked like, you know, a back-end arm, but they paid him should be more than that. Um, getting back to the Guardians, though, right now everything's in a bit of a holding pattern. And, again, they have so many off days. This is where it gets interesting because Wednesday off day, Thursday, which is, you know, when I'm recording off day, Monday is an off day, and next Thursday is an off day. Uh, they're going to get the Reds, who are actually playing better, coming to town. They're going to face the Reds at the wrong times, but it's the Twins, the Reds, and then the Tigers, this is a chance to make up a lot of room in the division if they want. They could end this week, you know, first in the division. That's very possible. It, not likely, but possible. Uh, you know, it's it's something that bears in mind. It's something that you really have to look at uh, with this part of the schedule. And just with all this space, the makeup for the game is going to be, I have that here on one of mine. uh the announcement. So the May 11 game is now going to be another doubleheader on Saturday, July 23rd. So uh, 12:10, and then the regularly scheduled 6:15 game. So that's how they're going to make up for the lost game against the White Sox. We're going to take our first break. We're going to come back and talk a little bit about the Twins, the upcoming first place Twins, who the Guardians will face this weekend. And our first commercial break is for BuiltBar.com. So I tried those granola bars, and they are maybe my favorite. And I know this is a bad time to tell you that because they are uh, no longer selling the granola. But this is my way of telling you, when it comes back, I'm going to jump for the granola, as you should too. It just adds a, a nice texture overall to everything. Not that there's any issue with it, the texture. I've always liked a good granola. This is a really good granola. I preferred the peanut butter to the coconut, uh i'll be curious to try the white raspberry again but i hope we see more in terms of the granola bar from built bar i love it i think it's great i got the box two days ago i am i'm down to like four bars already it is it is maybe my favorite in the past calendar year of any of the new flavors another really fun flavor is the birthday cake puff which is currently their flavor available the one cautionary tale with birthday puff open slowly the sprinkles can get everywhere it is delicious, though. It is great tasting. You know, like, birthday puff? How bad is this thing for me? What are you What are you trying to sell me? Three grams of fat, 150 calories, and then in terms of your protein, 16 grams, nine sugars. So it, it's quite good for you. They have this on lock. It is a fantastic company serving a fantastic product. And like I said, my friend who's a doctor, she has a fridge full of them, so... Uh, Even someone like that is using BiltBar.com. It's going to make you feel a little bit better about it, right? Doctors, a doctor choosing BiltBar. Go check it out for yourself at BiltBar.com. Remember to use the promo code LOCKED15. That's what I use to save 15% every time I order, which is pretty much every three months over at BiltBar.com. So the twins are currently in first place. Not, I would say, it's a bit of a surprise it's not the White Sox. Let's just put it that way. Uh, they were expected to be an improved team. We talked about they were maybe the most improved team in the division, and they just stayed active. They kept making deals. They never sat on rested on their laurels. It's like they go out and they trade for a shortstop, and then they realize they can use that shortstop to get an even better trade, and flip him to get rid of a you know a weighty contract, and go out and sign the best free agent in baseball. Uh, they were always making you know solid moves throughout this year, and you give them credit. Uh, there's no. You know nothing else to say on that. You give them credit for what they manage to accomplish. We'll see if they can continue to maintain first place. They have quite a few injuries of their own. Like who is on their injury list? Okay, ready. Dylan Bundy is on the COVID list. Randy Dobnik, who has been like kind of their go-to swing pitcher, Strain finger. Kenta Maeda had Tommy John surgery before the season. Bailey Ober is the the original writer of the Bailey, you know, driver of the Bailey Ober. Um, fan wagon it's sad to see him out with a strained groin and then they added Chris Paddock this very week I mean that's an entire pitching staff you go to their pen uh, Danny Colombo Jorge Alcea and John Romero all there and in terms of hitters Miguel Sano has a torn meniscus so he's done pretty much for the foreseeable future a uh, finger contusion put Correa on the list. Kyle Garlick, who I feel like has played for half the league almost, strained calf. He went out earlier this month. And then the latest bat was Trevor Larnach, uh, the big. I'm gonna get myself in trouble. Oregon outfielder, I believe. California kid originally. Uh, they're they're a beat up team. That's why we've seen like you know Royce Lewis get the call up. We've seen Nick Gordon. They had a lot of high picks that really just have not come together for them, right? Like, Gordon was the fifth overall pick in 15, and now he's backup center fielder. Royce Lewis was the first overall pick, and we're waiting to see if he can be their shortstop. Uh, I mean, I was a big Jose Miranda guy. That's another player I, I really stand for in that uh, 2016 draft class. But this is a—it's an interesting team. It is a beat-up team, and it's a team, though, that is still in first place. So let's get down to it. Let's go position by position. Let's do who's got the advantage in each spot. Catcher, Cleveland Guardians versus the um, Minnesota, I almost said the Chicago White Sox. Now, Gary Sanchez has actually started three games for them this week, and you got three games with Ryan Jeffers. Uh, It it doesn't matter. Either of them is an upgrade. Uh, Now, neither of them are necessarily lighting the world on fire. Jeffers is at a 104 runs created plus with a positive defensive rating, and Sanchez is he at a below? Where is he? Yeah, so he's at a 75. So it's a little bit interesting that they're not relying on Jeffers a little bit more because he's probably the better defender as well um, when you get right down to it. But either way, like Jeffers is better than what the Guardians have, so that's advantage to the Guardi uh, to not to the Twins. Moving first base. Uh first base we've had Josh Naylor play 4 games. He's going to be considered for this team right now the first baseman. On the other side of things at first base is again this is where injuries are an issue because the Twins technically speaking it's like when I'm looking for who played first base uh Alex Kiriloff had 2 games and then let's see the th- he Luis Arez, Arez, who is the infielder for them. He played uh, first base on Thursday. Before that, you had, like I said, Kirilov, who played in a few games, and then Jose Miranda, who's been third base, first base, DH. It's been kind of a a by-committee type of deal. Um, I'm going to go with Arez, since he played the last game there, and I think they you know, they want to give Royce Lewis some chances. They want to let uh, Polanco play up the middle, so Are- Arez, who's played shortstop and second for them, uh, first base, that's going to be advantage Guardians. Naylor has been utterly fantastic. Arez is no stiff, but uh, you know he's had a long, successful major league career. Uh, he's been a strong hitter. But that's advantage to Cleveland right now with the way Naylor has been playing. Moving to second base, primary second baseman for this week has been Owen Miller, who uh, got two games at first and four games at second. Over for Minnesota, second base has been handled by Jorge Polanco. When you're comparing those two, uh, again, Polanco has had the more significant run of success, and this year Polanco is at a 124 runs created plus, so he's he's still been really effective in his uh when he's out there. It's not like it's just past history. I appreciate that Owen Miller has been better this year, and you know significantly better a 184. Uh, he's also not a very good defender, and um, Polanco is hasn't been great this year either in defense. I there's a tendency I'm sure and I'm going to get I know Shroom out there is going to come at me for this but at the end of the day I'm going to take the guy who's had the longer track record. So when two players are playing really well I'm going to go for the guy who's had multiple years of success over the guy who's um currently in his first bout of success. So that's Advanced Twins moving to shortstop. Royce Lewis hasn't been that great since he's been called up. I mean he's at a 89 runs creative plus. He's been a strong defender. Uh, Jimenez is also a strong defender, and he's having a great season. So it, that's advantage Cleveland. So it's balanced. Moving to third, advantage Cleveland. Like it doesn't matter. He's the best third baseman in baseball. I don't care who anyone has. But it is former guardian Gio Urshela. Uh, in terms of Urshilla's production this past year, he has been he's been on this steady decline. I'm sure there's still people out there who are like, man, Urshela. Uh, you know, he was supposed to be the guy. Well, you know, it's now 77 runs created plus. There's a reason why the Yankees were willing to move on. He just hasn't. He's been a little bit less productive every year since that great breakout for them. So that takes us through the infield with Cleveland being up one. DH, Jose Miranda versus Fran Mill Reyes. Reyes has been junk. Miranda really hasn't given the twins much since he was called up. Um, I mean, I think the the most interesting fact about Jose Miranda was Luis man Luis... What? Nope. Lewis, meant. <sighs> take a breath, get it right. Manuel Miranda of Hamilton fame, it's tweeted out and congratulated his cousin. So I, I assume didn't just mean because they're both Puerto Rican uh, with the same last name. I assume that he is actually related. So uh, you know that's interesting. And again, I I believe in Miranda. I liked him as a player coming out of Puerto Rico. That was the Delvin Perezier, I believe where he was the potential top 10 pick, who then got hit with um, a performance... I'm trying to remember in terms... It was a performance enhancer. I can't remember the specific ones. Fell to the Cardinals and it's just not hit at all. Uh, Miranda was the number two guy there in that class. And, yeah, it, it's been a rough debut, but, again, good on him for making it up there. So even if Fran Mills struggles, that is advantage. Cleveland, that gives him a two-point advantage. Moving to the outfield, Brian Buxton, center fielder, that's Advantage Twins. Like, I love Miles Straw, don't get me wrong, but, like, it's Brian Buxton. If he's healthy and playing, he's, got, he's in the battle. You know, he is up there amongst the best center fielders in all of baseball. He is the straw that stirs that drink. But should we move to right field, where this week Stephen Kwan, I believe, has had the most games in right I mean, he's had an even split uh, in right field but we're going to consider him the right fielder for this team going forward versus uh, Max Kepler. Kepler is not necessarily having his best year. He's a 137 runs created plus better than a year ago. He really struggled last season. He has always been a Guardians killer, and he's actually been unlucky with the 250 bat pip. Uh, strong defender. Like, I love Stephen Kwan, but he's definitely scuffled a little bit since that hot start. He's still a very productive player. He's still an above-league average player, but uh, especially the way Kepler kills the Guardians. That is Advantage Minnesota. So all of a sudden, there is no advantage. That that makes our final vote left field. Alex Kirilov uh, for the Twins and for the Cleveland Guardians, Ahmad, Ahmad, Ahmed Rosario. Uh, Kirilov, I feel like has struggled this year. Why can I not see his name over here on the... Yeah, so he's at... a negative 21 runs created plus so that's that's pretty bad what is you might be thinking oh well that's terrible what's rosario at uh he is currently sitting after his hot streak at a 74 uh his neither are really great defenders so that's advantage guardians not maybe what you expected but that's going to be the separator that is the advantage in terms of lineups going to the cleveland guardians in this one uh, not what I expected, but again, the Twins are beat, beat, beat up. If they had everyone, this would not be the case. Obviously, the Guardians uh, would not have won the shortstop battle. With uh, they had Larnock, they would not have won at uh, you know in the left field spot if he was available over say uh, Kirillov, and if Sano was playing at first base, they probably would have won that position as well. So it's uh, injuries have given the advantage to the Guardians in this starting rotation. So there's a lot of talk about Joe Ryan at the start of the year. And I mean, I talked about him when they went out and traded for him and acquired for him. Now I thought that was a great get for Nelson Cruz, that I was a fan of him. Uh, just in terms of his production, he's one of those guys who's always looked good through the minors. Now he's one of those where you look at the data and he's cooled off a little bit, but he's still been really productive for them. I just don't know if he's going to miss enough bats to keep it going. His FIP is a three four one. Uh, he's at a microscopic home run rate, which is not concurrent with what he's had in the past. His XFIP is not as high on him. Now, when you have a small sample size, XFIP does actually have a little bit of value to me. I do think the home run rate will sneak up. The walk rate is fine. It's not great. The strikeout rate is okay. Um, yeah, it's he has been lucky. Let's put it that way. Like, he has been good, but he's also been a bit lucky. I think that is what the data shows, that he's going to have some regression uh, with uh, overall performance, the rest of that rotation. Chris Archer hasn't been as strong, let's be honest. Sonny Gray has been a bit inconsistent. He's been better of late. Uh, We talked about all the injuries. Josh Winder has been uh, pitching in one of the spots. Chris Archer this year, uh, just in terms of this year for him, With the Twins, you know, it's a FIP of 6.26 and a negative war. So he's been bad. Josh Winder, not Winder, Winder, uh, who's moved quickly through their system, has been worth, he's been, one can make a strong case he's been better than uh, Ryan. Ryan gets the hype, but Winder's been the better pitcher. That's just the truth of it. I mean, he's got a lower walk rate with a similar K rate. Uh, The FIP is a lot more forgiving, and they have the same war. And then Sonny Gray, last starter for them, uh, 477 FIP. Uh, he's been very home run prone. He's actually been more home run prone for the Twins than he was for the Reds. And It's also something to point out, like, he is 32 and a half. And he's not a big guy where that's where you start to worry about that wear and tear for that sub-six-foot righty. Um We'll see. Like He's he's played more like a mid-rotation starter than a back end. That being said, I still look at this Savali versus Gray. Gray has the advantage. Bieber versus Dylan Bundy. Isn't it sad that I have to sit there and be like... Because Bundy looked good before going on the COVID list. Uh, Bieber is just... I, I, I don't know. We'll talk about it a little bit in segment three. Why I think he'll get traded but why it's not going to happen during the season. And then Tristan McKenzie versus Joe Ryan. McKenzie's been the better pitcher. Ryan's got some hype right now. I saw him listed in places as the top rookie in the American League uh, as, much, you know, last week. It's, it's just not the case. He's not even the best rookie pitcher on his team, let alone the top rookie pitcher in baseball. Uh or top rookie in, all, in the American League, I should say. So, yeah, we'll we'll talk a little bit more about Shane Beaver, but let's just say... I. It's kind of a push weekend. I don't think pitching staffs, anyone has a distinct advantage. Guardians bullpen is nails. Trevor Steffen, Sam Henches, Emmanuel Classe is three really good back-end types. Brian Shaw is a decent filler. Sometime it's going to catch up with him. I don't know when. Eli Morgan's a fantastic swing pitcher. Minnesota, Griffin Jacks has been great. Uh, Jan Duran, Amel Pagan. Joe Smith, who's 38 years old and just still going strong. Caleb Theobar, who I didn't realize is 35. Like, they're relying on a lot of older arms. Some have been effective. Some have been up and down for them. Um, I probably lean Guardians advantage overall just because the top three has been so good. So you actually... I go into this weekend with a slight advantage to the Guardians. If I'm picking, I think Minnesota wins Friday. I think Cleveland wins Sunday. Saturday. I mean I just I don't I don't know about Shane Bieber. I don't know about Shane Bieber right now. We'll talk low Shane Bieber in segment three of the show, along with a little bit of draft talk for those who uh, want to stick around for that as well. We'll talk about some things that are neato. If you uh, if you know draft stuff, you might know what I'm talking about. Hang uh, come back in a second and uh, we'll get into the Bieber of it all. Bet Online's got you covered. Our partners at Bet Online continue to be the number one source for all of your betting needs and sports info. Find the latest odds, news, and sports developments, including this year's basketball playoffs, Major League Baseball scores, fights, and even next season's NFL futures. Bet Online is your continued source for all of your sports wagering information, from live betting to playoffs, esports, and more. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more about the trends in action. Bet Online, where the game starts. So, I don't want to bury anyone, but Jason Lloyd wrote a piece today that got a lot of traction on the Shane Bieber situation and about the extension that was offered. Um, here's the thing about Shane Bieber and any extension it's impossible to give Shane Bieber an extension right now. It just, that's the truth. It is absolutely impossible. Why is it impossible to work out an extension with Shane Bieber? One, the shoulder is terrifying. Like the fact that his velocity is continuing to go down and not go up. And I talked about last year when that injury first happened. I was like, this is a scary injury. I think it is not getting the reporting it should. People were treating it a little too laissez-faire. And then he was on the disabled this longer than he was supposed to be. And this year, he's looked like a shell of himself. And we don't really know why. Uh, He just had the worst start of his career. And then the other problem is he had a historic Cy Young season, uh, winning what? The first pitching Triple Crown in like 50 years which, you know, puts his value way up here, so high it's off the screen if you're watching on YouTube, but the the truth of the matter is, that was a year he only had to face the Centrals, and the Centrals were bad, they were really, really bad, he got to feast on bad hitting, he didn't have to face a lot of the top teams, and then when he did face one of the playoffs, he got hammered, the Yankees took him apart, uh, That it's not to say that he wasn't good. He was very good throughout that year. But again, it was not top-level competition. If you think I'm being unfair, look what happened to Kenta Maeda last year before his injury. Remember, he finished third in the Cy Young that year. Was uh what, Hugh Yin Kim, Kenta Maeda, and Shane Bieber were the top three pitchers in the American League. Look at Maeda's, you know, splits and shifts. Pitching against the Central-only teams in that COVID year. Uh, was a huge boon to those players' stats and performance, and it also means that Shane Bieber's value is probably a little bit inflated if we're being honest. I still think he's a fantastic pitcher. Do I think he's one of the top five pitchers in baseball, which is what I thought after that 2020 season because I wasn't thinking I wasn't thinking about oh, he only faced he fa-, you know the American League Central had what three teams picking the top 10 at the end of that year. Uh, the or was it only two? Maybe it was, it was only two teams, but then the uh, the NL Central had three teams that picked in the top. It was it was a lot of the teams that ended up with the highest picks came from the two Centrals. So, no, I don't think Beaver's one of the top five pitchers in baseball. I just don't. Right now, you look at who's out there and what pitchers are doing, he's not in that tier. He's just, I, I, I don't see an argument for it. Uh, top 10, yeah, we can get into that argument. We can get into that discussion. But I, top five, where I would have said, I mean, I would have probably said after 2020, you have to consider him in the top three. I, I'm not going back up on that hill. Um, and the problem, though, is, again, he had that season where if you're his management, you should 100% be like, he had one of the historic seasons in baseball history. And if you're the other side, you're like, yeah, in a shortened season against bad competition. So that already makes it a hard you know, back and forth. And you know, I've seen some, uh, the Lloyd piece talks about the fact that Bieber wasn't a high pick. So it's not like, you know, he earned a ton of money uh, going through the minors or had that big signing bonus to rely on. He still got a seven or not. Seven, he still got a six figure bonus. He still had a lot of money. He got to the big leagues very quickly as well. So he started earning, you know, six figure amounts. And then with the changes of the CBA, he got a nice big jump this year as a major award winner. Um, until we can figure out what's wrong with him, the guardian the guardians never sell low. First off, they're not. I see a lot of people like trade him now. It's like, what are you gonna get for him? He's a potentially damaged asset. No one's giving you much for him. You couldn't trade Shane Bieber for Sean Murphy straight up right now. You couldn't. I, even if Oakland was contending, they wouldn't do that deal. And I know there are people out there saying, no, you can't do that because they don't want that. I'm just saying, in terms of asset value, his value right now is lower because. He's an extreme distressed asset until we figure out what's going on. Like, everyone is concerned. It's not just, like, a hidden secret in Cleveland that Shane Bieber is hitting 89. Like, his value is at a point where you have to realize that you can't move him because no one's going to pay anything worth a darn for what looks like a pitcher who's hurt. Part two of why you don't move him now is you don't really have anyone. I mean, we talked about the next wave, right? But you can't go out and start... You need some of those guys to get innings. right? You need to have some of them come up and play. You need to feel a little more comfortable. Because you can't feel comfortable about this rotation in any way, shape, or form. Tristan McKenzie is the best pitcher in the rotation. Full stop. That's just the truth of it. Aaron Savalli has looked pretty terrible this year. And we've talked about the fact that he has never had a healthy season. He has never avoided injury for an entire season. Zach Plesak, again... Oh, maybe that's better. If you don't believe me that like Kent and Ada feasted on bad pitching, look at Zach Pleasak in twenty twenty versus every year since. He's been a back end starter outside of the year that he got to face the Central and only the Central, and the Central was dog crap. You know, I that's just the truth of the matter. Everyone's like, What happened to Zach Pleasak? What happened is he has to face teams outside of the Pirates, and you know, that was when the Cubs weren't were kind of trying. Uh the Tigers and the Royals had high picks. You know, it was a disaster zone across the board. Why was Pleisac so good because of who he faced? You know, that's what helped him. That's what made Bieber have the historic season. Now Bieber is a great pitcher who got elevated to the best that year. Pleisac is a mediocre pitcher who got elevated to a Cy Young contender. Um that that's just the truth of the matter. That's what happened to Pleisac. But he I mean and again, Plisak is a solid back-end starter. Bieber is a legit ace. He's a front-line starter when healthy. We don't know what's going on there. Savali is a back-end. We keep wanting... I've had so many people who wanted to elevate him over the years. And, I mean, even last year, he looked really good out of the gate. But the health issues... And then it's just... the Consistently, he's, he hasn't had that consistency. McKenzie, we're hoping the consistency will be there. And Quantrell, I know he was amazing. But every outlying stat let us know that that wasn't going to be you know he he was go look at like when jeremy sowers had that amazing half you can have a pitcher who really catches fire but the outlying stats let you know when a guy is going to come back to i think quantrell is he's a mid rotation he pitched like an ace down the stretch last year but he's probably a mid rotation starter and this isn't just to bury this pitching staff it's just to be honest and you don't trade the one piece now you you need I mean, honestly, you need Bieber to rebound and reestablish value. That's the first thing. That's the most important thing. And then this is a team that prefers to make those massive trades in the offseason. You know, it, it makes more sense that he would get expensive, that they would look to move quickly once um, before salary arbitration occurred because his value would jump, especially if he had another big year. he's gonna get He's going to get too pricey. Like next year is legitimately the last year this team, with the way they operate, could afford him. Because with the major award win early on, and the All-Star games, his value goes up under the new system exponentially, qu- a lot quicker than it would have. Uh, he's in line for some massive paydays, and you know I saw, like I said, the the Lloyd piece kind of touched on. Well, it's it's ama- ridiculous he didn't take the contract he took. I'm like, what? most people considered that Blake Snell contract like a bad contract for Blake Snell. Uh, that it's. To offer him more than Blake Snell got isn't exactly a big deal because the Blake Snell contract was a team-friendly contract. Shane Bieber's already making millions of dollars. Uh, you missed your window. He's he's out. He's gone. It's the same thing with Lindor. You can't get them after they've already started making seven figures in a year. Uh, your chance is right when they come up. They, they needed to—I mean, I was talking about the Bieber extension needed to happen before the 2020 season when I was doing this podcast— I said last off season it should have been a priority. You know, after the 2021, it's one it's it, by now it's no way is going to happen. And I've been very honest about that all off season. It's not going to happen. Uh it won't happen and a trade once he's reestablished value is what is the only thing that really makes sense. And they won't because tra- people always want to do this. It's like let's trade him. He's trash. It's like well, what team wants your trash? No <laughs> one wants your trash. Uh, they want them when a player is performing well. Uh it's the same thing, it's like people tell me to cut Fran Mill. It's like let's let's you you gotta understand how this works. Don't turn into Yankees fans and it, and all of a sudden think that, you know, Clint Frazier and uh Michael Anjuar is gonna net you uh Francisco Lindor. Let's not let's not take that jump. But yeah, it's It is what it is. Until we know what's going on there, it's just going to be a concern. And as long as velocity stays down, it points to a bigger injury issue or arm fatigue or something where he needs to rest. And a rest wouldn't be the worst thing for him, uh, especially if it allows him to come back strong. And for the Guardians, you're going to have to add Field at some point. You're going to add him at the end of the season. He is cooking in AAA. Let's get that young guy some reps because if you do trade Bieber, that's the guy who's next up. I know everyone wants it to be Espino, but guess what? Well, do you have to add Espino at the end of this series? you might have to, but still, he's you know he's the step below, not in terms of like value. Don't don't confuse me with that. Just in terms of like the level that he is pitched at uh, consistently and successfully. Let me look at Espino. No, he doesn't have to be added at the end of this year, so he won't be. He's December uh, 23. So, yeah, Espino isn't the next guy up because they don't need to worry about him for a year. There's, there's zero chance he pitches for the team this year. They're not they're under such a crunch. There's no way. Uh, now you can save this so when he does get added as a relief option towards the end of the season, I, I look like a fool. But point stands with everyone else they have to add. When you have to add Curry and Hankins and Batonfield, uh, Gaddis, Brennan, you know, just so many names. You can go find that tweet I had. Uh, Espino isn't the guy who's going to be in line to be a potential starter next year if they do trade Shane Bieber. It's Batonfield. That's the guy they need to see. Uh, I promised some draft talk, so here it is in a two-minute format, because we're already long, and uh, that's one of those things they preach to us. Don't go long. People turn off after 30 minutes. So the MLB.com mock from Callis had the Guardians taking Zach Nito, and then uh, Mayos from two weeks ago had the Guardians taking I, I feel like it was a college pitcher maybe gabriel hughes i can't recall uh I, i'm betting it's hughes because i got a bunch of questions about hughes a few weeks ago so that makes sense uh here's the thing with zach Nito. he'd be the first first rounder ever from campbell campbell also has an interesting pitcher so there's a lot of people seeing them uh he's playing at such a low level that you're just like eh. but he played really well on the cape So that's the balancing feature, but we know the guardians place a high valuation on the Cape. They have taken, I mean, Hunter Gaddis was on the show a few weeks ago. We talked about Georgia state never had a guy in the U S national team before him and has only had three major leaguers, only one in the draft era. And the guardians based a lot of their evaluation on him off that time on the Cape. So we know that that is there. Could they take needle possibly, but it feels a little too much about like, okay, they like contact skills and up the middle guys. And we got to slot him somewhere. Uh, you know, I've been doing a mock draft in my head all day during down moments because I, I can't have – I'm ADD. I, just, I legitimately am, and I can't I, – I I don't deal well with um, – I just can't turn it off. You know, anyone out there who's like me knows what that means. So it's like when you're – when you have those moments where you're in between things and you're like, okay, so I still think the Orioles are likely to go college player. So Brooks Lee. Then at number two, okay, well, that's definitely Drew Jones. Then three, who would Texas go for? And, you know, would they – I think it ends up being uh, Jackson, the shortstop with the bloodline, son of, of um, or Holiday, I should say, not Jackson, son of Matt Holiday. So it's like that's how it goes. And, you know, I've been going through these things in my head, and I actually have, like, a top 10, top 12 pretty solidly in place that I'll do probably next week on the show. People have been asking me for a mock, so we'll do a mock because we have two off days. So we got, we got time to talk next week. Uh, I don't think... Any of those guys, naturally, the issue with, with, I mean, Hughes could, and I believe it was Hughes because he does, he fits the age models for the Guardians. Like, he's that one we talked about, you know, players, you know, Brian, uh, Bryson Mott's from San Diego, who I believe Jake Miller, who they took and gave a significant chunk of money a year ago as the 20th rounder. I mean, they gave him well over slot. They gave him, like, 200 grand extra was also a San Diego pitcher, so they they know that program. Just throw that out there. Another reason to count on Bryson Matz being uh, a guardian come uh, July. But they, uh, I don't, you know, Gonzaga, isn't that where Eli Morgan went? Like, they do have some history with that program as well. They last year were not so much leaning into the age-based models, so I don't necessarily think that's the first thing you got to look at for them. I said, I really haven't hammered it down. I haven't sat and really gotten through the whole mock in my head yet, just to make sure everything makes sense with it. As I look, because again, um, yeah, I'll reach out to contacts. I do that less and less over the years, because so I feel like I end up getting more bad than good from that. But what I do end up finding is just the pure data of what teams do year to year doesn't lie. Uh, agents lie. Scouting friends lie. Other news reporters inadvertently lie often. Uh, but The data and the facts don't. So for those who are, you know, wants more draft content, it's coming. Um, Maybe I'll do something as a bonus episode, or maybe I'll just do it on like a a personal account or something like that. Because it is about 50-50, I will say, amongst the Lockdown Guardians listeners. uh, Who likes it and who does not like the draft content at all? So let me know. That's uh, We've gotten over 40 minutes, super long episode tonight. Uh, which is, of course, how it should go when a team hasn't played a game for two days that we'd have our longest episode of the week. So let me know. This is your homework. Uh, a, subscribe on YouTube. Let's get us up. We're at 180-something. Let's get at least get over 200. Keep pushing. Um, get those numbers higher. Uh, we got hosts on network who don't even have 1,000 um, followers on Twitter who are out, got more here. I've got 3,000-plus. You're telling me a few of you can't? Subscribe. I just need one in three of you to, to subscribe at this point in time. And we'll be over that thousand marker. So uh, that's that's what I'm asking for. Go subscribe on the YouTubes. Uh, like, comment. I, I respond to every comment. If you want a sure way to, to get a question answered, that it can happen there. Um, make sure you're downloading daily. As I said, that also helps. Let's get our numbers up. Let's crack that top 10 amongst MLB podcasts on Locked On. I think we might break the top 10 youtube videos on lockdown mlb for this week because of the success of the uh the comeback video the play-by-play that everyone loves so much from earlier in this week if you missed it go check it out it was the second most popular video we've had on this site uh, by a significant margin though it's nowhere near as close to the quantum leap episode for whatever reason that one i hit the algorithm right that day um yeah subscribe like share Download daily, you know, hit the YouTubes and your podcast. Those are both very helpful. And then let me know, draft content. Like I said, I hear I either hear people who want more and love it or people who like hate it and are like enough is enough. So I really need to figure out, and this is, again, the homework is, because uh, I'm a teacher, so of course I'm assigning homework. Uh, what do you want? More draft, less draft, no draft at all. Uh, I'll kind of base some of that off of what I hear. Uh, I've been Jeff Ellis. This has been Locked on Guardians Podcast for another week. Uh, remember to do all the things we already talked about, and as I end every episode now, go, go, Guardians, go.